the Arthropod. The Arthropod is the home for the wonderful, weird, wacky world of insects. Hosted by Jonathan Larson, Jody Green, and Michael Scavarla. Welcome back, everybody, to Arthropod, your entomology-themed podcast. I am one of your hosts today, Michael Scavarla of Penn State University. I am another one of your hosts, Jody Green from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And I am your final host, finally, I get to say this, uh, Jonathan Larson of the University of Kentucky. Have you ever been the final host? No, I'm usually the first host. Yeah, yeah Mike, you are usually like the, like, and I am your master, Mike Scavarla. It's true. We're so, very excited that we're coming back into your ear holes. Uh, Mike is back today after missing an episode where Jody and I recorded about Asian longhorn ticks last time. I'm kind of sad I missed that one, but you know, okay. it happens. It does happen. Uh, we all have lives outside of the podcast, and we accept that that you had other responsibilities that day. Uh, we hope you've been enjoying the content. Today is going to be a slight deviation from what we are used to, I would argue. Uh, we're going to be uh, <laughs> a little bit, you know. Uh, today, we watched the film. We watched 1997's Starship Troopers. And we are going to be going through sort of an analysis of it, talking about themes in the movie, talking about its bonkers plot. Um, this is not a film that we would necessarily recommend all of our family listeners go out and tune into so that they can understand the show. We should say up front, there is nudity in graphic violence. In it is restricted. Very it is an adult film. Uh, we're we, going to keep it clean on this yes. show, but uh, the movie is not. Yeah, the movie is rated R. Our show about it will be G to PG, I would say. Uh, that's wh- how we're going to try and go about this today. Before we jump into the movie stuff, though, anything fun entomologically happening in your neck of the woods, guys? Uh, well, we've got a locust leaf miner outbreak here, which is interesting because it's a native pest. It's a, it's not a it's not a pest. It's a native insect. Uh-huh. Uh, the the larvae leaf mine in locust trees uh everything you need to know about it right there in the comedy right. uh, we're usually normally, pretty evocative in entomology when we name things yeah and normally they're minor pests of ornamental trees but this year i don't know what is going on uh in state college in central pennsylvania but my goodness every locust tree is absolutely decimated here like you can drive down the highway and find the locust trees in an unbroken forest because they are brown and like all the leaves are dead crispy potato chips instead of leaves yeah it's just i've you know it's one of those things like you read like oh yeah they outbreak every now and again you're like okay i get it i can understand that and then you see we're like oh man this is a lot but they are (laughs) a native pest and presumably the parasitoids and predators and whatnot will catch up next year and they'll go back to what they normally do so that's unless unless global climate change has allowed them to escape their parasitoids and that is true that is true we should do an episode about that we should we've done some of that in the past uh interviewed emily meineke from north carolina state I really uh, enjoyed when, that episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When she was doing her urban heat island stuff, that's a very early arthropod 
Jody, anything fun going on bug wise out there? Um, nothing in particular. It's just, it's, it's funny. We were talking today about it being a full moon and someone was like, oh, that's why we have all the really strange questions. And I'm like, well, then how does that explain the other three to four weeks per month? <laughs> We've got a lot of wildlife calls, which has nothing to do with insects, but like bats in dishwashers and bats in garbage disposals, bats everywhere. And we don't, mm. yeah. We're in desperate need for a wildlife person, but that's what we've been fielding a lot. Sounds like you need Batman. We do need Batman. (laughs) That's very interesting. Uh, I can't think of anything specific going on here. It just seems like everybody's asking very strange questions towards the end of the summer, getting a lot of like very specific, very off the wall kind of things. It seems like everybody's maybe noticing bugs for the first time this summer or something. Do you have... Do you have an example of a, a strange question? I thought one of them that I got this week that was kind of strange was just somebody, they called in and they have a swimming pool and they find they the way that he described it, hundreds to thousands of dead springtails in it every day, every other day. And he just wanted to know what to do about springtails. And he, he claimed that he had treated the area around his pool and his yard uh, in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 times this summer with various insecticides trying to get rid of these. And I, 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 I tried to ask why, and basically it boiled down to, he said his wife really just didn't like the look of them in their pool. And that, that was it. Uh, so he was willing to alter the landscape in any way. Uh, he was willing to listen to what I had to say, but I thought it just seemed like a very extreme situation for, or extreme reaction for a rather mundane situation. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of that, I think, too. Yeah. But we are always willing to try and help uh, as long as we can keep things in the integrated pest management type approach. I actually think that this discussion that we're kind of having right now about uh, people's reactions to insects maybe fits in with our discussion of Starship Troopers today. So I'm going to spin us into that. Uh, this was an idea that was generated by our very own Mike Scavarla. Mike, can you tell us why you wanted us to watch Starship Troopers? It's been a while since we've done a movie episode. Uh, the sure. last one was Them, the 1950s giant ant movie. Yes. Uh, and- an arthropod classic because of the noise that you made. That's that's the one. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it back. Uh, and I liked that. It, I... You know, we we're we we're pitching ideas for things, and I thought, let's do another movie episode. Like, it's the end of the summer. I know we're all burned out from IDs because this is kind of the heavy time of year for all of us. And I wanted to do something that would be maybe a little bit light and fun and kind of easy to do prep work for. And shoot, let's do a movie episode. So what insect movies are there? And I remember Starship Troopers came out in 1997. I watched it a couple years later in high school. And, like, I remember it was real campy and fun and, like, bad but good to watch i didn't remember quite how graphic it was but i thought oh let's do that like it's got like quote unquote bugs in it that's that's good enough in in john and jody were good enough to to jump on board with that i actually think that that's kind of a a minor miracle that you've performed jody is not known for (laughs) her her cinema her cinematic enjoyment yeah, I think about when anyone asks me to watch a movie, I, my first question is like, well, how long is it? 
you don't want to have to sit through it is what you, is your whole thing, right? Yeah, it's that's a problem. Do you have a favorite movie, Jody? I can't think of one. No. Mike, are you a bit of a cinemaphile? Oh, no, I'm in Jody's boat. Like, every time I try to sit down to watch movies, like, what else could I do with these two hours that is more productive than sitting here? Man, you go, uh, guys have both been really brainwashed by capitalism, I feel like. <laughs> oh, I just, it's, it's really hard for me to sit still and, I don't know. I want to go outside. That's fair. <laughs> That's a fair point. It's when not can- necessarily productivity. It's that you have other ways that you want to enjoy life. Yeah, and I feel like it's not even like hanging out with like my family when I'm watching a movie. Like, yeah, maybe their body's close by me, but we're not talking because we're supposed to be paying attention to a movie. Right. So, I don't know. It never made sense to me, like, why movies are good date places because same thing. And maybe I missed the point of going to a movie on the dates. Ooh, actually, that was a place I took took someone once because I didn't want them to talk to me. (laughs) Sounds like it was a great date. (laughs) perfect yeah that was a one (laughs) (laughs) so we all seem to have different levels of enjoyment for for movie time uh i was excited to watch starship troopers it has been a while since i've seen it i am going to push back a little bit against what mike is saying though i would argue that this is actually a very well-made film it's weird in different spots but i think that the schlockiness or sort of the the campiness is on purpose and i think that uh it's actually kind of one of the best satire films that you can watch. Uh, that That's my take. That's hot take Jonathan coming in. So do you want to go off on that? Because I've also, I mean, I, I did read a bit about the movie after watching it um, and saw that take. And I think I agree with it after reading some of these reviews, but do you want to go off on, on how it is like it being satire? Because apparently when it was released in 97, it, flopped and like in newspapers and things people were calling it like openly fascist and didn't understand that it was satire um so do you want to go off on that a little bit or do you want to integrate that into the show i i think that i can do that um i think that you can easily watch this film and you could easily just say oh it's an action movie where big tough space people are going to go do big tough space people stuff they're going to shoot bug looking things and it's action time. You know, it, it's very easy to look at it like that. I think if you do that, it is not going to come off very well because there are there are better versions of that movie out there. Alien, uh, you know, numerous, numerous ones that we could go to. Uh, but this one, if you dig deep into it, I mean, the imagery is very on its face, right? Like there's people in this movie that are clearly wearing Nazi uniforms like it wouldn't look out of place on the set of an Indiana Jones film. Um, Doogie Hauser's character, Neil Patrick Harris's character is, is a Gestapo officer. Like he, he even has the hat and the coat, right? Like, yes, I, I forgot about that part until, cause he shows up in that get up very late in the movie. Uh, and I forgot about it. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like now that, especially now that I know more about world war two than I did in high school, it's like that, that's not even a riff on a Nazi uniform. That just is right. a, a Gestapo uniform. And I think that when you start reading about Paul Verhoeven, the director of this movie, also known for several other films, Total Recall, Robocop, Hollow Man, quite a few others. He, as a young man, as a boy, I think was was born into and grew up under, for a few years at least, 
uh, occupied Netherlands, the occupied Netherlands, the Nazi uh, invasion had happened and he got to witness fascism firsthand. And I think this movie is his attempt at, at sort of poking fun at those people. Um, there's very clear parallels to Nazi uh, imagery and Italian fascism imagery on the uniforms, on the logos that they have, the names of things. Maybe we can get into this more in a bit, but I think it's very strange that Buenos Aires seems populated entirely by white people uh, from, from Southern California. And then you could talk about just like the way that they talk, even the line I'm doing my part is a direct reference to some of the Nazi films that came out uh, during that era of German history, uh, films that were being made, some some propaganda type films that were getting put out. I believe it's a direct lift from that. So I think that you're supposed to watch it and be very conflicted, right? You're you're going to get sucked in emotionally by what's happening to all of these people, but they live in a, a god-awful society. Uh, and it's Verhoeven trying to say, like, this is the, the natural endpoint of fascism, and look at how bad of a setup it would be. It's it's satire. Uh, I, I think that it's excellent, excellently made satire at that. So I guess that's my hot take. Well, because I had those, like, it was always like an advertisement for you to sign up to go into the Federation. Right. So like they would have something and then there would be like the, the bright, like text over top. That's right. Would yeah. you like to know more? Yes. I actually really loved that part of the movie. <laughs> um, I'm glad you brought up Verhoeven uh, because I was going to bring in the point that, that he also directed Robocop, which is like a satire of militarized police forces. And putting those two things side by side, like you can see the through vein through his movies, like poking fun in an overt way at, at these topics. So I thought that was really interesting. Do we want to do, before we get too far into it, let's just go over the plot uh, kind of broadly. What are the main beats and kind of what happens? I think that's easy to do. Uh, we open on Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, presumably <laughs> and, that looks very much like Southern California. Yes. And populated by Southern Californian looking types um, off the bat. You have questions about maybe what's happened, but the plot is uh, we're in high school. There's a bunch of people getting ready to graduate. They're trying to, to, to decide what they're going to do with their life in the society that they live in. You can be a civilian or you can be a citizen. And to be a citizen, you have to serve in the armed forces, essentially, which has an examination. Uh, some of them uh, decide that they're going to join this. They get shipped off to their various boot camps, depending on what they're doing. And once they arrive, they get taken on separate adventures. But ultimately, the points are they join up. They are fighting an arachnid force, quote unquote, arachnids, some bugs out in space. And the bugs initiate violence against the humans, it's presented as, where they blast an asteroid at Earth. Right, Jody? Yes. What happens next? Well, much of the population of Earth and Buenos Aires is destroyed. And so then there's like a bunch of fighting. They do this training. They get dropped off in different, I guess, planets to just fight these bugs and these Bugs are crazy. <laughs> they are crazy. Uh, they 
they're mm-hmm. set out on a war. So like it's yeah, always presented so- as this like sort of cold war almost with the bugs out in space with various sort of incursions against one another. But then the attack that happens on Buenos Aires prompts an actual war. Um, they invade a few times and it sort of turns out that they're trying to find a brain bug, which seems to be sort of this ultimate prize, uh, finding out how this bug society works so they can dismantle it. And by the end of the movie, some of our main characters have successfully captured a brain bug. And then it kind of ends. Uh, you don't know what happens next. You're, you're sort of prompted to know that the war goes on and uh, you're supposed to trust that these <laughs> these people in the armed forces will avenge the dead on Earth and sort of finish the finish the fight and save humanity. Save humanity, absolutely. Did we miss anything that you would note, Mike? Uh, no, not in terms of the broad strokes of the plot. Um, I've got a lot of comments about like specific points. I suppose yeah. you want to do maybe like a roundtable sort of each of us talk about something we enjoyed. Yeah, let's do that. And then we can get into like the actual bug part of the movie, I suppose. Yeah, that's a good, I like that plan. You want to go first? Sure. You know, aside from the, the, the fact that they live under this, you know, awful society. One thing that I noticed that I, I liked um, was that within the armed forces, like it's very equal men and women serving together uh, in equal capacities. There doesn't seem to be any kind of sexism, like to the point of like naked group showers and nobody seems nonplussed by it with the veneer of fascism across the movie that we are supposed to make, take and make fun of. I thought that that was like an interesting plot to put in there really stood out. I think that is an interesting part. If you read some sort of critical analyses of the film, or if you listen to Verhoeven uh, when he sort of defends that scene, because there was some criticism of it, I believe, in the late 90s, uh, he argues that like these people are so brainwashed into loving the state and loving violence that, of course, that doesn't do anything to them. Like They're not titillated. They're not interested in one another in that way because it's all about getting up and fighting them bugs, right? <laughs> Oh, I like that take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. They're, they're so in love with the state. They're so in love with fighting that, yeah, they can't, they don't have the emotional capacity left over to, to want one another. So I, I think that's interesting as well. Jody, what was one of your favorite things from the movie? I mean, I was really entertained. I didn't fall asleep and I sat there. I made myself sit there the whole time. It was two <laughs> hours and nine minutes. I mean, it was funny because it, it's like a teenage, like I, I had to remember that these are like teenagers from like high schoolers going into this. Hey, this is fun. They can um, like he goes in there, uh, Rico, to like follow a girl. And, you know, essentially he becomes he just kind of moves up the, the ladder and starts being in control of the the troops and telling them what to do and fight the bugs and. I don't know. I just thought it was very, it was, it was interesting and entertaining. And I just kind of like laughed a lot about the bugs, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> when we get into that. So I, I kind of liked to like seeing the bugs. They are a visual phenom. Yeah. I'm like, how, how do you fight those? <laughs> I like that you brought up the fact that they're teenagers. Cause 
I thought some of the writing and acting actually really did that really well. When Rico, the main character, first goes to into basic training, he sends a video to his girlfriend and there's a point when like a bunch of his buddies come over and like pull their pants down and moon the camera for him. I was like, <laughs> that is absolutely what my friends would have done like in high school. Like that, I don't know what writer came up with that bit, but like <laughs> I've that I've seen that happen. And that is like perfect encapsulation of like that 18 to 19 year old going off on their first, like on their own for the first time. Okay, I have a better one now that I've thought about it. I loved that it's supposed to be set in the future. And now we're like, you know, thinking about back then what they like movies that see the future. And then we're kind of actually living more in the future and seeing like the computers and, you know, the modes of transportation and those kind of things. Um, You know, how they would see their grades on the screen or how they would do that. FaceTime thing like for us that's pretty normal now but maybe it wasn't back then I also liked the FaceTime uh seemed like they really nailed that one of course that's something we've been striving for as a species since we invented phones and cameras basically but I I was intrigued by the fact that all of their computers still used what about it to typewriter buttons like big sort of bulbous yes. looking things yeah I, there were no touch screens in this film if I was going to say something that I liked about this movie, I thought I, I was very intrigued, not just by the fascism part, but by the fact that I felt like it tapped into a very human reaction to insects in order to capture that fascist feel and to like have an enemy that the viewer would automatically kind of get behind. I think if it was an alien that looked human or if it was an alien that that was threatening in a different way, it would look very different. Obviously, this is based on a, a book, a Highland book, if I remember. Is that right, Mike? That is. And we can we can talk about that a bit because, I mean, based is, that is stretching. In, it's, inspired by, uh, takes the name of? Uh, it takes the name of, uh, okay. I, not to interrupt, but like the short of it is they had a script. Well, I wrote it down. What was it called? Bug Hunt on Outpost 9 or Bug Hunt at Outpost 9. Uh, And they were going with that until the production team noticed that like the broad strokes of an alien invasion by big insects is kind of like this Heinlein novel. And so they stole the name in for the title in like Rico's name. And that's a brow it. Okay. Heinlein's book is is kind of more openly pro-fascist. Than, and that's, like, I, that's that's one of those interesting things about this, right? Like this is a satire of fascism, but based, quote unquote, based or inspired by a book that is pretty fashy. It is. Uh, and if you go online, a lot of people are going to uh, uh, on Reddit and places are arguing like, oh, Heinlein, you just you you don't understand. It's a it's a it's still a democracy. You just have to serve to get it. And it's like, no, that's that's still fascism. Uh, and a lot of people will defend it saying it's not, but I mean, I, I also read the book in high school and it very, like the themes are there and a lot of these people defending it are stretching. I feel to say that it's not. Is that something that he was into? Uh, hmm. not, not to go off on too much of a tangent. No. And I didn't want to like derail you. I've read a lot of Heinlein in high school. I he was one of my favorite sci-fi authors because I really liked the way he wrote and a lot of the ideas that he had broadly. And then I got to some of his books that are really racist. 
And looking back, it's like, oh yeah, this kind of permeates a lot of his writing, like racism and in pro fascism uh, in a lot of his, in a lot of his writings. And it like a lot of these people that are defending him and, and Starship Troopers in particular, like are going out of their way to like say like, no, no, it's not. But it, I mean, it's the same kind of like, it's the internet, right? Like I'm not surprised given the state of the internet today and like the rise of fascism in the United States that like, this is what they're saying. So. Something to think about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my thing I was trying to say is that with the way that they approach bugs in this movie, I feel like it's, it's what we deal with every day, right? Like the human attitude towards insect life is mm-hmm. almost inherently negative seemingly. Uh, the example I gave earlier of the person asking me how to kill springtails, one of the most innocuous organisms in the landscape, really, it, it sort of captures, I think, the broad feeling most people have about bugs. Like in any, in, in this world, I wonder what entomologists like us would would be like. Like, would we be ostracized for studying insects or would we be heroic because we understand this enemy better than other people? Um, I feel like the, the movie really uses this whole attitude to its advantage. Like, of course, they hate the bugs. They're bugs. We hate bugs. Um, there's nothing good about them. There's a very heartbreaking scene, in my opinion, where there's a bunch of innocent Madagascar hissing cockroaches that yeah. are stopped to death. Jody, you're, you're making some noise over there. Yeah. Sorry, you can't see me, but yeah, because like at that part, it was like they're on this mission to kill the bugs. And then the quote was, the only good bug is a dead bug. And that is definitely a sentiment of a lot of people that we deal with. And there are a lot of people that just don't like bugs. And there's a group of children stomping on bugs. And it says, I think on the screen, like, do your part. And, you know, they're Madagascar hissing cockroaches. And then there's this lady laughing and clapping. She's like scary happy. And I was like, (laughs) but then on the, on the side of the IPM part, you know, they, the quote is also to fight the bug. We must understand the bug. (laughs) Meanwhile, you know, they talk about like hitting the nerve stem that will kill them, but they just shoot them all over the place. It's, it is. Yeah. I think they definitely play on people's fear and hatred of, of they, they call them insects or the bug and, you know, the descriptions of them, even when they were in school dissecting the bug. Yeah. I think a lot of that is, just part and parcel seemingly of most people. I know we're weirdos because we like insects, but taking advantage of that and using it as part of the satire, I think is good. I think it wouldn't have worked any other way. If the aliens were people-like or if it were other people, then it would be too hard to do. Like it would be hard to make the satire fly, I think at that point. But when it's bugs, you can go completely over the top, right? You can have mini nukes going into bombardier beetles and you can have these giant chompy bugs that get machine gunned to death like Jody is alluding to because people don't like them already. So it, I think it, it just makes it work better. That's one of my favorite things about the movie. Well, they, they reproduce in vast numbers. They have no ego, no fear. Right. They don't know about death. They said they are the perfect selfless member of society. Plus, you know, they can hurl spores into space. So they're pretty amazing. It's an interesting contrast there too, right? Because when you're showing this humanity that they, this system of government they live under, 
the things they're saying about the bugs are kind of the things they want for the people, right? Right. These, these specialized groups of folks that do what they're supposed to do, no questions asked, no fear. Uh, they just work, like they just right. do it. People, when they talk about insects and, and, and social insects in particular, you can sometimes hear people talk about them in communist terms. Other people sort of make uh, fascist comparisons. I, I, you know, obviously they're bugs. You can't anthropomorphize them too far, but there, there are questions you could ask about each of those paths. I think if you're looking at insect societies and this one, this fictional one is like the ultimate fascist group, right, Mike? I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up um, because I wanted to make the point at some point in the show, like uh, to bring the book back into it, Heinlein wrote it in the fifties. And so this idea that these bugs are communists, it's not a far step to like make the comparison between the, the arachnids in his book and like the Soviet union, like it's not thinly veiled. (laughs) So yeah, absolutely. Like the bugs work in this movie because they're arachnids or they're, they're like these insectoid, they call them arachnids too in the movie. Like they just use all kinds of like insect flavored names (laughs) and just throw them about. Um, But it's also, it works because of that, but it's also not hard to see like that they are a stand-in for communists or Soviet Russia or, you know, whatever. The other, they're the stand-in for the other, whatever it is that's on the others. Like one thing that maybe as modern watchers of this movie, or or I, maybe I should say post 9-11 watchers of this movie uh, coming from a North American perspective, like it's, it's kind of heartbreaking to be like, Oh, Wow. Uh, they made this movie and then we really kind of went and did the thing that they're making fun of here. The United States did. Mike, you're nodding vigorously. I mean, it, that just occurred to me that you're pointing it out. But like, yeah, even that we haven't talked about it yet, but like all of the the bug planets that they visit are like these desert, open, rocky terrain full of caves and cave systems. And it's like that's kind of what they painted Afghanistan as post 9-11. Like I I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter and stuff, but like the time image of like the the underground mountain bunker of Al Qaeda or whatever, like it's that. Yeah. And we were on the hunt for the the brain bug of yeah quote unquote. Yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. Well and it, it's it seems very present, obviously. I, I can't imagine that Verhoeven could have possibly guessed, but he's tapping into what I think is, is that imperialistic tendency. Like they hurt us. So now we've got to hurt them 10 times as hard and we're going to commit all these resources to it. So uh, just the satire ended up becoming reality. It seems like that's how we do things anymore, uh, unfortunately. And so, yeah, the bugs, like what we're getting at here, I guess, is that they're a really good stand-in and the response of the government in this movie is pretty real to life those are some of our favorite things do we want to dissect the entomology part of this can i say one more thing that absolutely I think is, is interesting about the way it's satire and they don't there's one kind of it's almost a throwaway line but they talk about how humans invaded the bug habitat and then the bug struck back and it's like, yeah, the, the humans in, in this one, like there was this Cold War because humans are expanding across the galaxy. And yeah, the bugs are like through this asteroid. 
they don't really talk about it, but like they're across the galaxy. And like, how did this asteroid make it all the way to strike Earth? Like that is incredible in and of itself. <laughs> but like the bug struck back because humans are invading what is their their space, their their habitat. Like the humans in this, when you really dig down, are the aggressors from the beginning. Right. Um, that's something that comes out in a lot of, I think, of the reevaluations of this movie is people talking about like, okay, obviously there's layers to this. You have to really, it's it's hinted at in the movie, right? Uh, there's one scene where they talk about a Mormon outpost, specifically like Mormon settlers have gone to this one planet and the bugs retaliated and killed all of them. So now we, you know, now we're angry about that. Um, you don't really know what the origin point of all of this aggression is. Like it's left to the viewer to make assumptions. And I think part of what Mike is hinting at here is like, as humans, as just random watchers of this movie, you're going to assume, oh, the big, bad, ugly bug things are bad because they're bugs. Like they're just evil things and they need to get out of the way. But it's never clear, right? If, if humans started this, if humans are completing this, it sounds like Mike would maybe be a Buenos Aires truther uh, in this universe. He would be a part of a conspiracy theory. I mean, it, to make a direct comparison, it's like, oh, European settlers come over to, to North America and make a colony and then the Native Americans kill them. It's like, yeah, you're on their land. Like, of, of, of course, they're going to retaliate against the people that shouldn't be there. Right. Uh, but then that's always spun like, oh, these helpless colonists, they were slaughtered by these quote unquote savages and making the the people that shouldn't be here the, you know, the the what's the, the victims for? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's colonialism, it's imperialism, it's fascism. Like it's all it all flows into one another. And Verhoeven is playing with all of that. Well, let's talk about the bugs then. I mean, right off the bat, it seems like they talk about them as the bugs. And then when you get into more of the movie, they're technically the species, it seems like, is the arachnids. Am I off base there? Honestly, I found it. I'm not sure. It, I can't tell based on the movie, like if they're. So there are multiple bug things that we see throughout the movie. <laughs> There's this warrior cast that I, the design I think is really cool um, because they've got six legs, but they're quadrupeds. They run on four legs and then the front pair of legs are like these jabby, <laughs> stabby legs. Um, I, call them, I call them spiny, pokey, stabby legs. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought that was really cool because normally you see an insect thing like that with six legs and they're always, you know, like typical six-legged insects walking all, all of them. But these are more mantis-like um, yeah. walking on four legs. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And they weren't grabby. They're more stabby. Like, yeah. they're just like big, giant, pointy things that they just stab things. But then their mouth part or their head, like the jaws with the points on both ends like i don't know it's scary yeah, they look, stuff <laughs> they look like a staple remover with legs yes with yeah. one with one point yeah i thought i thought that was kind of interesting they look like the also like the head of a hercules beetle kind of in the center like if you if you took just the head 
of a Hercules beetle include on all the mantis legs. That's kind of what we're talking about here. These these warrior bugs. I I did do some digging, uh, and I went to the Starship Troopers wiki. If you can believe <laughs> this, I can't. Uh, so this whole species, they're called the arachnids. Uh, they are more commonly known as bugs or archies. They are a hostile alien species that have conquered planets across the galaxy, creating an empire that is directly at odds with the human-dominated United Citizen Federation. So uh, that's direct quote from the, the wiki here. So the group is called the arachnids, but then there are different, do we want to call them casts within it? That's what I couldn't decide in the movie, if these were casts of one species or if they're all different species that are somehow working together. Right. Um, like, are the warrior cast fighting bugs? Like, are they reproducing on their own or are they getting, like, laid by a queen in their different casts the way, like, ants make cast? I couldn't, based on the what, just from the movie, I couldn't suss out what was going on. Right. Do you That's remember the those... That the first planet they went to, and it was really dark. And then there were those two large, like blue looking bugs, and they were like shooting like glowing things out of their abdomens. And they had like green insides. Like uh, that was the spores, right? Creating. Oh, I, th- the, I thought those were the plasma bugs. They were shooting plasma out of their butts to knock the spaceships out. Yeah. Oh, those weren't different, one of those bugs. Because then there were the, what were the bugs that they were dissecting in high school? Ah, again, I could, <laughs> I could come to the aid through the wiki here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, those are called Arkelian sand beetles, uh, also known just as Arkelians. They are small. Uh, they are from Arkelia. They're believed to be a separate species unrelated to the arachnids. These beetles are, are caught in use for biology classes in human schools. Huh. So it seems like there could be some differences there. Not all bugs are perhaps a part of this arachnid federation. I think Mike is hitting on the big question. Are these all one species with various forms depending on their job? Or are they teaming up? Like, have they somehow crossed the species barrier and they're now, you know, they're working together through pheromone communication or what have you. Before we move on from the warrior bugs, um, I did think... uh, the idea like they have jaws that move up and down kind of like mammal jaws in unlike mandibles and living insects that was really cool and in 1997 as an entomologist i would have like i would have been like yeah that that can't happen insects don't move like that like they don't have up and down jaws uh but then in 2003 the hell ants this extinct group of ants that have jaws that move like that in an up and down fashion were discovered. And so we know historically, like there are certain groups of insects that could, that evolved to have mandibles that move like that. And so that's another way that Verhoeven was kind of ahead of his time and, (laughs) uh, you know, predicting something that it, he did it because it looked cool. Right. Right. Um, and entomologists would have been like, insects can't do this, but it turns out like, yeah, they, they can. And we found them. They're just extinct. Yeah. Or maybe the, this is a prequel. This movie is a prequel to our civilization. Maybe. Uh, within what the arachnids. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, but what were some of the other kind of bug species that we see in the movie? So within the arachnids, we also have the, uh, they're called hopper bugs, 
which are the flying ones that are kind of green in color. They look sort of like the arachnid warrior, except winged. They also seem to have a stinger, or was I mistaken? Did you guys notice that? I didn't notice the stinger, but their their wings were like decapitators. <laughs> right. Razor wing kind of thing. Uh, they had really kind of a beautiful green color as well, but they did seem to be quite deadly. We also had the plasma bugs, which were alluded to earlier, which can shoot plasma from the rear of their abdomen all the way up into space, it would appear, uh, in order to take out tankers that are flying around. Then we also had tanker bugs, uh, large beetles, which seem capable of spewing a caustic substance onto their attackers. Um, and then the brain bug, I think, would be kind of the big one that we saw in this movie. When, in both the plasma bugs and that fire shooting bug, th those looked like scarabs, like scarab beetles. Like it looks like you just took a beetle and made it big, and then added some like frou frou in of plasma and fire or whatever to them. Like the way that the arachnid warriors are like, okay, that's insect like, but that doesn't look like a living insect. These are just like let's make it take a beetle and make it big. Specifically, it felt like to me the plasma bugs in particular, like those are bombardier beetles, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know about the caustic spewing ones, but Jody, do you can you think of anybody that would inspire something like that? Oh, that's what I thought they were. With the, I, I was like, there's spraying acid or something right from that <laughs> thing and hurting everybody. Do we have any flamethrower bugs, beetles? No. No. Those flying ones were screaming too. They were like loud and screaming and flying around. And I thought maybe they had like depressed coloration on their wings. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that prettiness is very jewel beetle-like. And then uh, tell us about the brain bugs. The brain bug uh, <laughs> is is pretty horrifying. Jody has a lot of thoughts about it. I think. Well, I was trying to think about what it looked like because it has like like ro a row of eyes like in a line and in the middle of the like there's four eyes this whatever and then four more eyes but it kind of look <laughs> what it, it we, we can keep it pg but it looks yeah, dirty um, it looked dirty <laughs> and then there was like this height <laughs> Coming out of the middle of what looked like part of like the female anatomy. How about that? But oh, the overall good. bug thing was like this, like soft, mushy looking. I would say the back end of a queen termite in the way that it had no structure or form. Ooh. But then it had this weird head that kind of seemed like it could be spidery because of the eight eyes but also kind of like a fly. Okay, how about a fly sponging mouth part looked like that? And then out of the middle came a piercing sucking mouth part for brains. For brains. For brains. Uh, I, thought it was a, I, I like that. I like that analysis. <laughs> when I see it, uh, I always think of Colorado potato beetle larva. Has that kind mm -hmm. of like huge back end and then kind of the weird head. And then the spots along the side kind of resemble the eyes. But yeah, I could definitely see the termite thing. It it isn't implied that they're giving birth to all of these other bugs. Like they're just sort of the smart bugs. But 
but their form does sort of indicate almost a reproductive capability within the, the colony or the society structure. And it sucks. And there's all this like slime and mucus that comes out. It like it's it's highly uh, lubricated. <laughs> I don't know what to the, when I uh, started when I hit play on Amazon, like the, the warnings of why it's rated R come up and it said sexual violence and there's no rape or anything in the movie. And I think what they're implying is, is that the shape of the brain bug's mouth? Um, at the very end, there's a bit that comes up that says censored because they stick a probe into it. And I, th- I think that's what they're implying when they say sexual violence. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because it does. There's a thing that comes over that part and says censored. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> you already uh, see it and are like, oh. And then when they're showing it as like a commercial to join the Federation, you're it's censored. So they don't want people to see that. And they're doing experiments with it. Um, I thought at the end when it's funny you called him Doogie Hazard. So Neil Patrick Harris's character, <laughs> he's like the psychic or the mind reader guy. And so at the end, like he touches it and it's like, it's afraid, or isn't that what he says? Like it's yeah. scared. And so it was like, it was that one part was super weird because it's like fight, 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 kill, kill. And then it's like, oh, it has feelings. That for me played into the part again, that throwaway line, like we invaded their territory and like they're scared of us. Like it it reinforces that idea, like, yes, they attacked us, but it's defensive because they don't they're scared of us and don't want us there. Yeah. Um, and it if that is true, like, yeah, the humans in this are the bad people, and like these things are scared, you should feel bad about that. But it's a joyous occasion for them because they're all very bloodthirsty and want revenge right. or Buenos Aires and everything else. So they're very happy when Doogie announces that the bug is afraid. I think it's also important to point out that the brain bug not only is a smart bug, but it collects the brains of humans and then knows what they know after that. So it's like very important that you keep specific people away from the, the piercing sucking mouth part. Yeah. Okay, what about those small, okay, the small little bugs that were crawling on the ground with no wings? Is that the Achillean sand beetles? I thought so. When I saw them, I was like, oh, those are the bugs they were dissecting in class. But I'm not sure, uh, if I'm honest. In a nymphal stage? Maybe. (laughs) I also thought the the sand beetle, when they were dissecting it, I was like, oh, this looks like a tick. Uh, It has that sort of appearance to me so i don't know maybe there's a few other ones in there (laughs) so one thing that i kind of thought about as we're as i was watching the movie like all of the planets they go to because they do they go to multiple planets all of them look the same they are these barren desert rocky worlds that are full of caves and i think some of the implication because there's a lot of tunnels that that the bugs dig like some of these cave systems are like bug made and maybe that's why these planets are, are so cavey and hollow, but what are they eating? Like, what is the ecosystem of these planets? Cause there are, I mean, it points like thousands or tens of thousands of these warrior cast insects running across this barren desert landscape. Like what is the ecology of these planets that these things can do this? And like, if they are these barren desert worlds, why the heck does humanity want to go to them? 
asking the big questions. I don't know. What does uh, your Starship <laughs> wiki, wiki say? What is Starship? What, the wiki, say? it doesn't seem like it talks a lot about their food. I would have to maybe dig around further than that. I also want to point out uh, the height of hilarity right now for me is that on the page that I'm on on the wiki, the the advertising is trying to get me to join the Marines, which seems <laughs> like super on point. Um, Perfect. Yeah. I can't find anything specifically about what they eat. I mean, we could, we can theorize, right? We can, we can maybe make some informed guesses as entomologists. If they have this many insects that are capable of various specialized tasks, perhaps there are some farmer ones that grow some fungus deep down in the tunnels. Oh, I like that. Okay. I could, I could roll with that. Like there's some kind of underground water source and they're growing something that doesn't need sunlight way down there. Yeah. So it, it would be an entire ecosystem like hydrothermal vents that is based off of some kind of non-sun or non-star energy. But it also, why do they have the big predatory mouths then? Yeah, like why do they need a giant warrior cast if we don't see anything on these planets but bugs? And they, they eat a cow at one point in the movie and they eat the people that they get. Or did they just chop them up? I, we don't know. Yeah. Very, uh, that part, like, again, it's supposed to be satire in a fun shooty movie. Like, don't think too deeply about it because if you do, like, it just kind of falls apart. The ecology of these planets, I don't think works, I guess. <laughs> Although the idea of these giant hollow rocky worlds is kind of interesting. Like, getting into hollow world hollow earth theory and i don't know hollow earth sci-fi stories are some of my favorite where you get like people going into these really deep caves and they find this you know lost world or whatever i have a soft spot for those so maybe that's just why i'm like in these hollow hollow alien worlds so you would invade them just so you could get more of that sort of story i mean i wouldn't invade them they Again, I'm a, I guess I'm a Buenos Aires truther. Like, they they just leave them alone. Mike would have his own podcast in this universe. It just doesn't make sense, man. I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions, man. Yeah, I guess the science, like, science doesn't work really up there. <laughs> so if we're going to, if we're going to pick the movie apart based on science, uh, being entomologists, uh, do you guys want to talk about the fact that these insects are gigantic and why we don't have actual gigantic insects on yeah. planet earth. Yeah, let's do that. So John or Jody, uh, why don't we have giant insects on earth and why do like, what's going on with these bugs? Because life is a series of disappointments, I would say. And that's why we don't have giant bugs. <laughs> I'm going to lead with that quote just at the beginning of the podcast. Life is a series of disappointments. There you Welcome go. to Arthropod. <laughs> Jody, why don't we have giant bugs? Desiccation? Tell me more about what you mean. Um, why do I get this question? Mike, why don't we have giant bugs? Okay, I, I can talk about it. I just didn't want to take up all the airtime. Uh, there's a bunch of reasons we don't have giant insects. Jody, you pointed out one, desiccation. It's the, the relationship between surface area and volume. As things get bigger, 
they get more, they get less surface area to their volume ratio. And so you, with insects, that actually screws up a lot of things. So first is breathing for insects. They have, uh, the insects breathe through spiracles, which are just holes in the side of their body and air passively diffuses it through those spiracles into trachea and from those trachea into smaller tubes called tracheals that go to every individual cell in the insect. Unlike mammals and birds and vertebrates that use blood to move oxygen via the circulatory system throughout the body, insects don't do that. The, the hemolymph they have doesn't transport oxygen, it just transports nutrients. And so the only way to get oxygen to all of their cells is via passive transportation from atmospheric air through these holes and these tubes in their body. And when you get so big, that just falls apart. Air and oxygen doesn't diffuse fast enough into those spiracles or into those trachea to reach all of your cells. And so you die. Um, <laughs> and so there's, a, there's an upper size limit just because of breathing. There's one idea of why insects and arthropods could be so big in the past. You think of like griffin flies and giant arthropora millipedes. They could get so big because there was a higher oxygen content in the atmosphere in times past. And so if you have more oxygen in the air, that helps with passive transportation of oxygen because there's just more of it. And so you can get bigger. And then the last thing kind of tied to all of this too with exoskeletons is chitin is really heavy. Um, That's what I was going to, yeah. On a per unit basis. And the bigger you get, the heavier your exoskeleton is, but also the bigger you get, the thicker you need your exoskeleton to be because you need bigger muscles to move yourself. And so you need more chitin in exoskeleton to hold those muscles in place and act as resistance when they're moving. And so after you get so big, your exoskeleton is just so heavy, you can't move. And so there's, there's kind of two things and there's an argument in entomology, like which one is it? Is it movement of oxygen and passive transportation? And is that why insects are so small or is it this exoskeleton that's keeping them small? And honestly, it's like all of it. Like, yeah. It's not it one or the like other. It it's to, just both. Yeah. It has to be all of these things. And yeah, I, the way I always try to explain it to kids is that at a certain point you would need, you would need an internal skeleton to support your exoskeleton. Like it's an architectural an engineering problem. Well, and in, in even insects do have an internal skeleton. You have things like invaginations of the exoskeleton and apodemes where muscles attach. Like there is an internal skeleton to this external skeleton, but those need to get so gigantic uh, for muscle attachment that it just doesn't work. And like, like you said, you start to need things like bones in a more proper internal skeleton. So that's why we don't have giant insects on earth. So I guess, how do you work around that with these giant insects on like these alien planets? Like you'd have to develop some kind of oxygen transportation system. That's not tracheals and spiracles. And you need to develop some kind of internal skeletal system. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense because at one point Rico jumps on top of one of these giant scarab beetles and shoots into it and the exoskeleton looks very thin, like maybe an inch. Uh, he can shoot through it and then there's just this blobby hole that he tosses a grenade into. So for their size, they've got a very, very thin exoskeleton that you can shoot through with bullets, which kind of suggests that maybe they have evolved this internal skeleton and now the external exoskeleton is just for protection. Yeah, I like that idea. 
their blood seems like it is still bug blood like we are familiar with it it is that kind of yellow green color when it gets splattered on people yeah and just goopy and all around and not yeah. like in veins so it's probably not carrying oxygen uh, otherwise we would assume it to be red but maybe these planets these desert planets are f- more oxygen uh in the maybe atmosphere if they but are there's no plants to provide that <laughs> i was gonna say that yeah where are the plants maybe, right maybe they've got giant oceans and these are only like the desert continents that we're seeing and there's lots of phytoplankton or something in the oceans maybe we're getting down into it for sure now is there anything else that we can say about this movie to sort of wrap it up for the day i guess the one thing that bothered me when I first started watching the movie is the military tactics. <laughs> so uh, I, here's a direct line that I wrote in my notebook as I was watching the movie in this first infantry attack on the first kind of desert planet that we see. One interesting thing that the movie does do is they show this failed infantry attack, like the first wave of this war against the bugs. And then it jumps back a year in time. I, we kind of see the lead up to that. And I wrote, quote, poorly coordinated infantry attack with no armor support. Who are they, the Russians? I think that's exactly who they are. Like, <laughs> I kind of guess this is going to be your problem with uh, part of this movie. And I, they have a very, very World War II era USSR approach to human yeah. troops, right? Like, there's no casualty list that's t- number that's too high. We always can get more people. Yeah, they just throw soldiers into the meat grinder and they're like, there's no coordination between soldiers. It's just a mass wave of human bodies. But like, it's all infantry. There's no armor. There's no even heavy artillery or mortars or like, it's just dudes with guns. Yep. No bazookas. They have tactical sort of briefcase nukes that they can fire RPG style. They do. uh, At things, which... There's a lot of questions that pop up with that. I, uh, I actually thought that was really neat because something that we don't talk about in this country very often is there was talk and development of small manned portable tactical nukes in Korea and Vietnam. Yeah. We never deployed them, but but we made them. Uh, yep. and they, they, we thought about using them. We sure did. We sure thought about some, some nuclear grenades, essentially. Yeah, and... So I thought it was neat to see that, like, in a movie, like, I'm sure that, um, I guess I'm not sure, maybe Van Hoven did think about that, but, like, that's based on kind of real-world thought and application. But your point is well taken. I mean, it's just a bunch of people storming in, despite the fact that they have interstellar travel and an entire sort of military branch that seems dedicated to being space force or air force kind of thing yeah uh there's no air yeah there's no air support to this either like there's a lot of pilots it seems like they could fly down there and maybe have some bigger guns attached to some plane-like objects and zap them some bugs from the sky so that really bothered me about the movie and then i came i came across this quote from griff 667 on reddit that kind of put it into perspective. So quoting that uh, the it was portrayed uh, portrayed as governmental and military incompetence leading to the wanton waste of infantry lives, i.e. a brutal condemnation of the modern military industrial complex. Yeah. 
So like that was like, oh, it's just another part of like the overall satire of the movie, like how bad the military actually is, because that's riffing on kind of what we do and what has been done historically. Well, and there is some there is some precedence for it also to be purposeful, like they did it to justify more war as well. Like these, they can enable successful tactics like they, they clearly can do things right. But there's also some indicators that maybe they they know they're creating a death machine and that's fine because then people will get even more upset and they'll want to fight against the bugs even further. Which never happens in real life. Which never happens in real life. Uh, we got a little political on Maine today in Arthur Pond. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We can all agree we don't like fascism. The three I, of us. If, if saying fascism is bad is getting political on Maine, then, I mean, we've lost the thread of, of <laughs> democracy, which is kind of a problem anyhow in real life. Liberal entomologists with your podcast talking about stuff. <laughs> so, so uh, final thoughts, like, did you enjoy it at all? Was it just a terrible movie that was schlock and nobody should watch it? Like, you know, in, in just a couple words, like, did you like it? Yes or no? I actually think I'm going to watch it again because I had to rent it. And so I have it for like, I might just watch it on the treadmill. Because now I want to think about it, like some of the things that you said. Oh, like reanalyze think, it with a different yeah. perspective. Yeah. And then like I watched it yesterday for for the podcast. And now I'm gonna watch it like with a different with a different frame of mind. But I mean, I think that people should watch it if they're I, I mean, I think it's worth watching because it's different. It is different. Is is it a fun bug movie? Yeah, like that part's entertaining. I think as an entomologist, it's it's entertaining because you're like, what what is that? Like, and we always we can compare it to the bugs that we know. So you're like, that that looks like this. That looks like that. Those warrior bugs actually look like a robot that my daughter has. Like the way it moves and kind of rotates, I suppose. So it kind of looked like a rope, you know. But I mean, it's it's just interesting how you can dissect it as an entomologist you know, all the different bugs. And so it's kind of fun. Anytime you see like these bugs come up, you're like, Ooh, what is that? Look at these. Does it have the right amount of legs? Does it have antenna? Like what, what is that modeled after? Does that look kind of roach like, you know, and could that happen? So I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think, yeah, bug wise, I think it's worth it. John, what do you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. From an entomology perspective, it's interesting to watch. Um, it's always fun to just see how people are going to take insect and insect life and modify it for a cinematic experience. Uh, maybe next time we'll talk about arachnophobia or eight-legged freaks or something and, and go into those kinds of things. Uh, as a satire movie, it's also sort of top-notch in my book. I am not going to go and you know watch the entire franchise series Aren't there like four or five more direct-to-video ones of this? I was going to say, I know there's at least three. We didn't talk about that. I have not seen two in three. I hear that they're not very good. I um, think that they sort of lose the thread of being the satire, and they just become like celebrations of, of these fascist space marines fighting arachnids. Do you know so, if Verhoeven directed those as well? 
Because if he didn't, I can see why they would lose the thread. Let me look real fast. Number two is directed by Phil Trippett. I don't know, or Phil Tippett. I don't know who that is, but uh, I'm going to guess that he maybe doesn't have the same anti-fascist experiences that Paul Verhoeven has. <laughs> I So I can see that. So it's like capitalism taking commentary and then just spinning it to make more money. Right. Even though this one didn't seem to make money at first, uh, it seemed to make more money maybe when it got to video. But yeah, I, I definitely think people should check it out if they haven't before. Uh, keep a close eye on all the details and keep an open mind about the fact that it's making fun of the the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters and everything. <laughs> like, it's not a celebration of that. It is taking all of that imagery. It's taking all of that emotion and saying, like, look at how silly this is. Like, this is the end point of that. It creates this joyless society that only can mobilize itself to fight external enemies. So... Uh, don't don't buy into it as like a, oh this is this is what this director likes is is fascism that's not the the case and like laugh out loud when you see the brain bug absolutely <laughs> laugh out loud and don't watch it with your kids no. definitely not definitely not no. my daughter was like how was your movie because she went to bed and I was like I got to watch this movie and this morning she's like how was your movie I'm like not appropriate for you <laughs> it. I mean, something we didn't really touch on, I kind of mentioned at the top, like there is just overt nudity, um, both men and women. That was, I guess that's part of the, the, from a filmmaking perspective that I liked because like you see female nudity often and it's often sexualized, but it wasn't one, it wasn't sexualized, but two, like there was just male nudity, frontal male nudity as well. And it's like, you don't see that in movies like to the extent is female nudity. So it was nice to see a, a, a quality in that regard. If that's okay to say, I can cut that. It's nice, to see, it's nice to see equal nudity, even though you didn't need to see any nudity. Well, I mean, if you're going to go that way, but also like it is just over the top gore in kind oh, yeah. of a silly way. Like it's so gory as to be, again, I guess part of the satire, but like, there's just like blown up bodies and bits of people all over the place. Yep. So don't watch it if you have a weak stomach, I guess. That seems like as good a note as any to end the show on. We hope you've enjoyed some cinematic analysis here on Arthropod today. Uh, Take some time, sit down, get some popcorn ready, watch Starship Troopers if you aren't uh, below the age of 18 and you can (laughs) suffer through all of the things that we just described. Uh, Let us know if you find any entomological parallels that perhaps we missed, or if you've got any analyses of the film, you can let us know on our, our Twitter. You can find us Arthro underscore pod show. You can find the show notes and the blog, the blog and the podcast itself at Arthro dash pod.blogspot.com. You can find each of us on the social media platforms as well. I'm at, uh, at Bugman John. I'm at Jody bugs me, UNL. And I'm at mscavardola36. And find us on all of your favorite podcatcher apps and things of Spotify and iTunes and all kinds of stuff. Nature, leave us some ratings and reviews if you like the show. Uh, we always really appreciate that. And if you have anything you want to recommend to us, you can find us on all those platforms and tell us there. So we hope you've enjoyed. We'll be back soon with an analysis of the Spongy Moth after True Below. And uh, we hope you'll tune in for that too. See you then. 
It's time for our insect heroes to put away their nets and pheromone traps. Join us next time, same bug time, same bug channel, as the Arthropod Gang make the world safe from poor insect podcasts. Until then, keep on bugging. In five, four, three, two. Welcome back, everybody, to. I forgot the name of the show. I think that's the stinger, John. I got interviewed the other day and they were like, and where can we find the podcast? And I was just going to do the blog. Like I could not get it. I was like, uh, and then the, the, the guy, the host or the person interviewing me was like, never mind. I will put all that information in the show notes. Cause I was like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Jonathan does that. <laughs> I'm trying to link too many things. I forgot the name of the podcast that I post. Okay. How, how many years have we been doing this thing now? It's not even about that. It's just my brain is broken. In five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back to Arthropod. What? How do I normally do this? Welcome back, everybody, to Arthropod, your entomology themed podcast. Well, welcome back, everybody. Do you want me to do it, John? Do you want me to no. take the lead on this? I can. No, do it's it. fine. Oh, all right, go ahead. Uh, podcast in time. I have no face. <laughs> <laughs>